brother Ben keeps on playing, I would like you to take particular note of those, that line, if you want putting it up, please. What's your need or what's your cry? This is church. This is the house of God. There might not be a tomorrow. This life is going to nest and not necessarily go on forever. We're waiting for a rapture. We're believing for a change. We're seeing the world in its condition. And so if there's a need or there's a cry, then we would want the Holy Spirit to meet that need or meet that cry. We put off way too, too long. We just put things off way too long thinking that tomorrow will come and it'll get better. God can make it better right now. The Lord Jesus can make it better right now for you. So as we bow our heads, why don't you just lift up your hearts to Him and say, Lord, this is my need. And this is my particular cry. And if you don't have one, you know somebody that does. And so then I would actually get into their shoes so that you could actually lift up your heart and say, Lord, it's not just them for me, it's for so-and-so. Heavenly Father, with various hands raised, that's not necessarily what I asked, but they indeed did it. But with our hearts raised before the throne of grace tonight, what is our need and what is our cry? We need the God of reality to become more real. Lord, we don't need expressions or sayings, certain phrases. We need the God of this message. We need the Lord Jesus Christ himself to come on the scene for us individually. And so, Father, just at the beginning of this little service being a Wednesday night, not too many days ago there was a bus going down the road and they just thought they were going to an event something that they expected to complete and so it would be 16 souls or so left this earth and departed that was not their plans and lord i'm not i'm not insinuating at all all i know is that you're the god that holds tomorrow and i know he holds my hand And if there's some here that does not know that, Lord, that you would make that real to them. Father, they're going to need the great guide at that time, at that junction. They might think they they can escape it in in times like these, but there won't always be times like these. So, Father, I'm praying for souls tonight. I'm praying for young men that really need an experience with God praying for young ladies, Lord, that need a real baptism of the Holy Spirit. Mothers that need, Lord, a a refilling. Daddies that need more of God. Me, myself, wanting and desiring more of your spirit, more of your love, and more of your nature. So, Father, I'm just committing now this service to you, praying, Father God, that you'll speak to us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Nice to see you all in the house of God. I was going to make a request, but I don't think I will. Maybe save it for another time. And uh, I won't even hint to what it is. So with your Bibles turn, let's turn to um, John chapter 12, verse 20.
very familiar scripture. I think we read it the last time before leaving to, to Switzerland. John chapter 12, reading at verse 20. And there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. Same came therefore to Philip, which was a Bethesda of Galilee, desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. And Philip cometh and telleth Andrew, Andrew, and Philip told Jesus. Sirs, as I preached before I left and I preached in Switzerland, it's not I would see Jesus, I see Jesus. I see Jesus. And I trust that you'll see Jesus tonight as we look at him through the word. Let's bow our heads one more time. Father, your word is eternal. And so often your prophets said we could take scripture, pre preach weeks and months, maybe into years, the same scripture ever unfolding. So, Father, we just pray that the author of this word will come and make it alive to every heart, every soul, every person that's here and on the hookup or will hear in the future. We just pray that the word will minister deep within the souls, the hearts of your sons and your daughters, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may have your seats. God bless you. Tonight, if I stumble around a bit, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use an iPad. But I have my papers. <laughs> it's, my, it's my safety blanket. <laughs> I don't know whether that's, that's the good thing to do or bad thing to do. I traveled to, with Brother Ron Spencer to Switzerland, and he used an iPad. And I said, don't, aren't you afraid of that? I said, well, that thing dies on you. He says, I have two. I said, two? He says, yeah, just in case one dies, I have one back up in my briefcase. I said, wouldn't it be simpler to have a piece of paper? So I did it better. I did this and this. So if it dies, I still have a piece of paper. So we're trying to move along. God bless you this Wednesday night. Nice to see those that are here. You've been faithful over the years, and God bless you for that. And always a special time. I always look at Wednesday nights as a special time. It's more of a home cooking time. I always seem to be more relaxed on a Wednesday night, so I don't feel bad taking a Wednesday night at all. I, I love it. It's a great opportunity. And I just would like to take a look at a little bit of a subject. Might take it for a number of times, not on a, on a Sunday, but maybe on Wednesdays throughout the year. Because it's a great need. It's, uh, I think there's something that, uh, we're, we're fighting against in a great way and it's a great battle that we're, we're up against and I titled the message a present tense gospel and I think that's the challenge today is that we're able to be able to present a present tense gospel not a God that happened yesterday or 10 years ago or 20 years but we can present a God that is present tonight that's able to change and to save and to deliver and set free. And I can't do that. I can't do that. I can do my part or any minister can do their part. 
And I'm not into slogans and I'm not into um, pat phrases. I'm into quoting the message, quoting the Bible. And, and that is my desire. And so then I'm going to take different quotes. I'm going to take different thoughts. I'm just going to lay it out to you. I'm just going to say to you young people of all ages, this is an age where Satan has lowered the bar of expectation of a move of God. Period. Period. I used to come to church, and now we're going to go back in history, but, but I believe the God that was, he's the God that is and the God that will be. And so I don't want to live in the past. I want to live in the present. And that's why I want to preach a present tense gospel. So the God that met me 20, 40 years ago is the same God today. But Satan comes in to lower the bar, lower the expectation, lower the thirst and desire for the things of God. When I came to church, I do come to church. And tonight, even tonight, even though I'm ministering, Lord, what are you going to do tonight? What is the word of God going to say to me individually and personally that I can take home and know that I have met with you, the true and living God? Somehow we just lean back and just coast. Where is the pressing forward? Where did it go? And I'm not pointing any fingers at anybody. If you want, I'll preach tonight looking up at the lights. Because I'm honestly, there's nobody I have in mind. There's nobody. I, I'm, I'm talking from my heart. I've been in a set of meetings in, in uh, China, sets of meetings now in Switzerland. And, and we have a home church. Uh, we would, I wouldn't be able to be even ministering the kinds of thoughts to minister unless there was a home church. That's where the word comes up from. And we take some things that God speaks to us here and, and we speak it out to other lands or other groups of people and God takes it and, and adds more to the pot. But there is a danger that's coming in and it's a very real danger. And it's a danger of Laodicea. Oh, Brother Tom, that was rocket science right there. That was just unbelievable statement you just made. It's true, exactly right. The biggest fear I've got for this church or for any church around the world is Laodicea. If I'm, I'm concerned about it, you should be concerned about it. Watchmen, what of the night? You know those last services I've ministered. And I see it coming into families. I see where daddies don't care for their children. They just leave it to the Lord to do it. There's no digging in. There's no calling on God. There's no mothers calling on God. It's just going on. It's, 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 you know, I don't know how you get messages, Brother Ernie, or you, Brother Tim. But I know how Brother Branham got them. He got his messages on his knees. 
and, and you wait on the Lord and then God starts to deal with you and then all of a sudden a, an event takes place and many times Brother Branham will bring that event or that experience into his message. And I was going 180 degrees a different direction until even last night. And I saw a lady get up and I, and I looked at her and I, I, as she was speaking and addressing the council of Langley on the uh, canopy of the, of the trees and how they shouldn't be cut down. And you say, wow, Brother Tom, you get messages listening to a lady talk about cutting down the trees? It wasn't what she was saying. It was the, it was the intensity and the reality that she was speaking of before a people that didn't care. I watched it, the council members and I, and aldermen's or, or MLAs or whatever they're called. I don't, what are they called? Council. Yeah, council members or something. They're chewing gum and looking every which way. And I mean, she's got passion. If you chopped, I'm sure if I chopped down one of my tree, they'd be hugging it for sure. And I wouldn't be able to chop it down. But they're compa- they are passionate on what they believe. I mean, she had lingo. She had phraseology. She had words that, man, I needed a dictionary to figure out what she was saying. And I thought, she really cares. She really cares. But for what? For what? The poor thing is going to spend her whole life for nothing. Because it's going to get burned. But they don't know that. They don't know that. We just sort of have a little bit of insight. But people are compassion, or they have compassion... And they, they have, they, they take these, um, these um, certain agendas as challenges. And they, and they call them global risks or global challenges and, and they meet it head on. And that's why you see all these marchers and, 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 and different things in the streets because people are marching for something they believe in. Something they believe in. And I do believe you're here tonight because you actually believe in something. You might not be marching the streets, but you're marching the halls of glory. And you're holding the banner high, and all I'm saying, hold it higher. Don't lower it, especially at this time. One of the greatest challenges that we have today is to present a present tense gospel. Ones where our children realize that there is a God of mommy and daddy. And that God of reality is going to be my God. Where they lay in bed and they, and they wonder and they, and they pray and they, and they seek God for themselves. Not because they've been tolded or scolded or demanded of. But that there would be such an atmosphere within the home that there would be a want to 
and a desire for and a longing of the God of mommy and daddy. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God that we serve, the lovely Lord Jesus Christ. And he is indeed a reality. Some of the top challenges that they figure they'll face is energy and environmental security. Already that gets my eyeballs turning. Like, what does that mean? I don't know, but there's tens of thousands of people that rally under that banner. One of the great global, one of the top global risks and challenges that man is facing today is poverty. Poverty. And they take that as a challenge. And people sell homes, they sell everything. And they might go to one small village in Africa, never be heard of again, and they're out there doing something. Because that is their challenge. Personal challenge. There's personal challenges in power, power resources. People want to use no more, they don't, they want to use wind rather than making dams and destroying the environment around it. There's a global health crisis and there's tens of thousands of people that rally around those causes and challenges. And those are real. Millions and billions of dollars are spent on just those four categories that I'm talking about. This is not just airy-fairy stuff. So then if we took a tally of what are the most important challenges man faces today in America. Let's just take America as a whole rather than the United States and Canada. And they have concerns. And you know what the greatest concern or greatest challenge they feel that man is going to have to meet in the near future is leadership. Number one. Number one. Leadership. That's their biggest challenge. The next is their health care. They're worried about their health care. Everything I'm saying, you can rejoice and say, praise God, I have headship. I have leadership. I have health care. Please do not. I want you to stay spiritual. Do not get down to their level. They're reading their CNN and CBS and their Fox News. If they're looking for leadership, we got leadership. They're looking for health care. We got health care. I'm just telling you the challenges they got. The challenges for us to keep this gospel present before our children. You're not just packing them up to come to Wednesday night service. You're packing them up to come into the presence of God that they might meet the living God. See, sometimes it's the simplest little services that are most profound because they change lives. So, so are you still with me? They got their challenges, and whatever their natural challenges, we've already counter-challenged that. So their word, their number one worry is leadership. I would too if I had Trump. And he might get this, and, and he might try and ruin me. Who knows? I doubt it. 
I'm not even a speck of a fly on the back of an elephant. But Canada is no better. You have a prime, uh, what is he now? Please tell me, I don't even know my own social. Prime Minister! Walking at every gay parade there is. No wonder the number one concern for people today is leadership. And you can come to church and you can lift up your hands. You can open your voice and say, praise God. I'm not under the leadership of man. I'm under the leadership of the almighty God himself. No concern for me. That's not my challenge. My challenge is that God, it becomes a reality in my home. Can you say amen, daddy? So their number one challenge is leadership. Their number two challenge is health care. I'm the Lord God that healeth some of your diseases. What is it? All your diseases. I am the Lord God that healeth all thy diseases. And to me, saints of God, that is such a revelation. It doesn't matter what we have, my God can heal. He can choose to heal it in any way he wants, any time he wants. We're the one that puts God in boxes. Let's tear down the boxes and say, God, you're healer. I accept it. I believe it. Come on, Sister Francine. You should have both arms in the air. And Brother Emmanuel, there should be a fist pump coming. Why? What is it that's in the, in the, in the, in the leadership within the church that a man gets under the unction and says, Sister Francine, you're healed in the name of Jesus Christ. What is that that God confirms it? Then Satan fights it. You're not, you're not going to get this without a fight. So S- Satan gets a whack. He gets knocked out. Satan comes back. Guess what? He got another whack, didn't he? And now she's totally free. But that's our God. Our kids need to know that, saints. Our children need to grow up knowing Jesus met Sister Francine or Jesus met Brother Ben at the back. Jesus meets all our needs. That's our challenge to keep our God as a present tense God. I am that I am. Not he was the God of William Branham in 1965, but the God of William Branham is my God. Number two, of course, number three, of course, is economy. They're concerned of the economy, whether the economy goes down. Because if the economy goes down, they have less spending money. They have less toys. They have less things that they have to play with. They don't have their dirt bikes and their ski-doos and their snowmobiles and their whatever they got. You look at some of these backyards, I don't even know how they can handle all that stuff. They got trailers and boats and this and that and everything else. But who, for the economy of the saints, I preach on it, the economy in the Greek means God's wealth of what he is, is being poured back into his children. 
So people are looking for money. I'm looking for God. I'm looking for the economy of God. The economy of God are that you're the sons of God. What he is, you are. You know, their next concern, number four, is illegal aliens. <laughs> They're worried about illegal aliens. They're worried about Canadians coming to America. That's their, that's their fourth worry. That the Amer- Canadians come in, uh, Mexicans come in, and whoever comes in. They call them illegal alien. I'm a legal alien of another country. This world is not mine. I'm just a passing. <laughs> they go to bed at night worrying about their, about their sixth worry is terrorism. I would too if you had Assad as your president. Where Brother Brown said, Satan feeds on the flesh of his own children bombs your own people for a political agenda don't tell me Satan is not in politics so these challenges that natural man is worried or concerned about that rally around and and hurrah hurrah behind and and they do what they can do that is fine but we need to understand that we have a challenge And that challenge is to present, not only to our family, but to one another, that the God that I serve is a very present help in time of trouble. Period. Sirs, we would see Jesus, or as I titled it last time, Sirs, I do see Jesus, I see Jesus. But Brother Bram said the only reason why they wanted to see him was because they were hungry-hearted Greeks. They were hungry at heart. Lots of people have challenges in life and they make them challenges. Everybody wants to do their marathon. I think when you get up into your 30s, there's more people that apply to be a marathon runner between 30 and 40 than out any age. Because they got to prove they can do something. My brother was one of them. Lost 70 pounds to run his marathon. 17, I forget how many kilometers he'd run every day. 15 kilometers every day. And 20 or something on the weekend. And you know what that did for him? Ruined his knees. Can't hardly walk. What a challenge. But if you run this race, if you run this race and you get that prize, saints, you don't get wrecked knees or wrecked ankles or wrecked nothing. All you get is a new body. (laughs) Praise God. They're thrashing themselves to be healthy. And they end up a wreck. Be healthy to be a wreck. Makes sense to me. It's like Joanne was telling me today that you know, if you drink, we, you know, we, I shouldn't tell on ourselves, should I? But we have beet juices and things like that in the morning. You know, you have the old blender. Oh, you know, I'm eating half the vegetable garden. 
Then you got an ache and a pain and this and everything else after that. And you find out, oh, you've eaten too much beet. Too much beet? It's good for your blood. It's good for iron. But we're always, there's challenges. We want, we want healthy bodies. We want to do this. Our healthy body is in Christ. Amen. I'm not saying don't, don't exercise. I'm not saying anything to that matter. But people have challenges they want to make and they want to climb Mount Kilimanjaro or you know, people, K2 or Mount Everest. Actually die doing it. They do. They actually die doing what they want to do. And I'm dying to do what I'm doing. I die daily. Praise the Lord. I'm still climbing the mountain dead. How do you do that? It is a paradox, isn't it? It's a challenge to accept. And it is a faith to rise into. And you know what? It's not for everybody. Not everybody climbs Mount Everest. And not everybody climbs Mount Perfection. Not everybody wants to climb it. But I do. It's a challenge to accept. But people have different things they want to do. And and Satan comes and he tries to block them. And stops them. And incredible feats. Human beings can do incredible feats. And achieve fantastic hurdles and, and achievements. It's an incredible what man can do. I was uh, on an airplane reading an article of that fellow that uh, was hiking in Arizona, I think it was. And a boulder came rolling down and smashed onto his arm. And uh, he was going to die. So he had a challenge. And that challenge was chop your arm off and live or leave it there and die. And he chose to fish out out of his pack a little knife. And he, and, and, and he, and he thought, how am I going to actually do this? Because this knife isn't actually going to go through a bone. And you think you've got it bad? Anyway, <laughs> he, he, he had a challenge. What do I do? Oh, a great thought came into his mind. Break your arm and then cut through the break. You know what he did? He broke his arm, took that knife and sawed through that flesh. And he has no arm today. He said it was the best decision I ever made. Now, if he can do that by natural man, what can we do by eating the word of God? Willing to cut this part of this flesh off and and this desiring, cut that out of your life and let God have his way and... And now he's one of the greatest speakers. He goes around speaking to the world. They're amazed that a man can cut off his arm. Saints, I killed Tom Ray. Good. Thank you, Brother Tim. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> good point. Huh? And aren't you glad, Josh? I, hey, listen, I'm thrilled. I was thrilled at Dallas when God got a hold of you. And you're at your seat. I don't know if you knew that I was watching you. 
But there God was moving on the scene. I say, that, that, that's another stone in your testimony. That's a memorial put down. I say, praise God. These are things that our young people need to rejoice in. Always point to the negative. Let's point to the positive. To what God's doing amongst us. And keep a present God alive for our children. How many have heard different preachers or even Brother Tom preach to say, well... Brother Bram says every generation is a hundred times worse. The children are going to have it a hundred times more worse than what? Is it something like that? Ten times. Don't exaggerate. So each generation is ten times worse. Is that true? So if we leave it at that, you're going to say, how are we going to do it? But then the other quote is, the end time message always meets the end time condition. Did you notice the word always? So I don't care what Satan comes ten times worse. This message is going to be revelated a hundred times more. Because the word, Brother Aaron, God bless you. Nice to see you here with your family. We don't preach what we preached in the 70s or 80s. So, Brother Bram, can I, can I give you the exact quote? Evening messenger. Here we are. We're at the end time. But, Brother Tom, our, our young people got it ten times worse. Oh, young people, you got it so bad. If you leave it there, that opens the door for Satan to come in and play with your mind. But this message came to give you leadership, wisdom, and the mind of God. Yes, it will be 10 times worse. But hear what the prophet says. We're at the end time. It's the red light flashing. It's the coming of the Lord. Yes, sir. The end time message always. The end time message meets the end time condition. I don't care what Satan throws at us. Our God is bigger than anything the enemy can throw at us. Can I hear an amen? That's what our children need to know. He's a present gospel. He's a present God. Well, they got, you know, when I went to school, they had acid and, 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 and weed. And, and now they got stuff, ecstasy and everything like that. Who cares? We have thus saith the Lord. And we need to keep that before our children. Miss Delilah, just so that you mothers have something to pray about. What I said around my little family table every morning with my boys as we discussed Bible situations. I said, I wasn't worried about your booze. Sorry, folks. I wasn't worried about booze, drugs, anything. I, what we are, what daddy's concerned about is Delilah. You know why? You're good looking boys. You're courteous boys. You don't swear. You actually look clean. And Delilah likes that. And the spirit that's on them wants to pull you down. 
But you got to remember the end time message meets the end time condition. And the prayers of a mommy and daddy will bind it, Delilah. Praise God. So far, so good? <laughs> you water this gospel down, you've killed your children. I think I'll just say that a little bit more. You know why? There are people today that are taking this message, flying into realms they do not know. They think that it's doing something for somebody and losing their children. If that's the kind of God you want, you go have it. But the God that I serve is the God that saves children. Saves our children under a token message. The challenge is to present to our children a present tense gospel. Not past, not future, but now. We are the sons of God. You say, Brother Tom, you're exercised at, the, at some point. You, were, you feel like you got to do it. Saints, I'm fighting for your children like I fought for mine and I'm fighting for my grandchildren. I've got one goal to make that's called heaven. Heaven is my goal. How I get there in the grave or change, it does not matter. To be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. I could care less if I got hit by a car. I've gone through seven major accidents. I've been in a hospital for seven months. I know what it is to be racked with pain. I know what it, all those things are. And at those point, it's like one little lady said to me when, when I was laying there in my own blood. She says, is there anything I can do for you, son? I said, yes, a nice silver bullet would do me great. And she did what you did, Hugh. She laughed. She said, I can't do that. I said, but that's what I want. We have a goal, and that is heaven. And with, as our families grow, and whether we are married, or whether we're single, or whether we have children, or whether we have grandchildren, all I, I desire for you and my family is to make heaven. Amen. Or I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. There's no agenda. There's no big eyes. I got no position I want. The only thing I want is to see us enter Heaven's portal. I don't know if you remember, but years ago, I think I used the, a, um, a story of a lady that wanted to swim from California, Los Angeles Harbor, or wherever that harbor is there, all the way to Catalina. And apparently, it is, is some sort of feat to do. And she trained 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 and she figured she was ready to, to get there. And so they had to wait for, you know, it was uh, July the 4th, 1952. 
she decided that was the time that she was going to swim across the Catalina. And I've been there. My aunt lived in California, and she took me over on the ferry, to, and so I, I know the place where she swam to. Or she didn't swim to, but then eventually she did. But as she was swimming, and she was on her way, and she had her rowboat, and she had her little lady or friend or somebody that had the horn. Remember those old ones? No, you wouldn't. You're too young. You know those blow horns? They, you know, Frank, you would know them. You know, you hold, got the handle in there, and you go, go, you know, you can keep going, you can keep going. There's nothing electric in those days. Just the horn with the hole, right? You know, stroke, 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 stroke. You can do it, stroke, stroke. So she's going away, going away. All of a sudden, the fog comes in. So she knew the distance, and the distance was, was 21 miles. So she had to do a 21-mile swim, and... And, you know, your friend is going, you can do it, Tim. You can do it, Tim. Keep on stroking. Yep, okay. But all of a sudden, the fog rolls in. Fog rolls in. Fog rolls in. Fog rolls in. And she can't see her goal. She can't see the goal. But her friends are still there encouraging her, Louise. You can do it. You can do it. We're just about there. But she can't see the goal. So she kept swimming and swimming and swimming. They kept encouraging, encouraging, encouraging the water was cold. She just wanted to get into the boat. It was bone-chilling cold water. And she'd been in there over 15 hours. Swimming. Swimming against the current. It's supposed to be something incredible. And so finally they're urging her, you can go on, you're close to shore. But the fog got thicker and thicker. And within a few Minutes, she made the decision, I can't do it. And she was only a half a mile away from shore. And the only thing that stopped her was that something fogged her goal. So the next time she did it, she made sure that the winds were right. So that if the fog came, the fog would get blown away. I say, let the fog go. Let the Holy Spirit blow it away. Keep your eyes on the prize. Because if you can't see the end of your goal, you'll quit. And you can be just a short distance away. But you'll be disheartened because you can't see where you're going. That is why we need to come Wednesday nights. That's why we need to come Sunday mornings. We need to be encouraged with the blowhorn of God's word. You can do it. You can do it. And Brother Brown saying in the rising of the sun, it's not that you're going to make it. He said, you've already made it. I saw you there. You need to hear that voice. You need to hear that present gospel. Mommy, are we going to heaven? The prophet said. And you can take him to the message. Take him to a rising of the sun. Highlight it. Put it on the breakfast table. Show them what the prophet said. I saw you there. And then on the next page over, right on the right hand side, right up here, I got it highlighted. It's not you're going to make it. 
You've already made it. Glory. That's keeping this gospel present tense. And the Catholics will tell you when you die, you find out. Now the Pope's trying to tell you there's no hell. Now that's an interesting turn of events. What do they do with all the people that they got their indulgences from? So they wouldn't be in hell for 50,000 years. Oh, they are corrupt. No wonder, number one concern, leadership. And if the Pope is going to be their leadership, they can have him. We've got the almighty God himself. We got Revelation 10.1. We got the mighty angel that is leading us home. Present tense, gospel. Our greatest challenge, Brother Jeff, you have children, is to keep this gospel fresh and alive to them. Brother Bram said now, if in the Ephesians church agent, he talks about it. He talks about how that the Ephesian message, the entire age, lasted 120 years. And then to all the generations within the span, how history kept repeating itself. Generations of Israel would see revival in one generation. To see the fires fade in the next. In the third generation, the embers would just be glowing slightly. And in the fourth, there is no vestige whatsoever of the original flame. When a daddy or a mommy or a Tommy reads that and says, what hope have we got if that is exactly what it is? But you've got to keep on reading. Just like you have to keep on saying, well, it's ten times worse for our children. You've got to keep on reading because the end time message always meets the end time condition. The fervent desire to please God and the passion to know his word and the cry for reaching out in the spirit all begin to fade. And all of a sudden you get down again, down again, down again. And instead of that, the church being on fire with the fire of God, it cools off and becomes a bit formal. That's a concern. Mm-hmm. That's a concern because it's laying there. It has the possibility of that. And we're seeing it around the world. But it goes on. The cycle of revival and death has never failed. But all you have to do is recall this is the last move of God in the spirit when men and women will dress like Christians, go to church, pray all night, and go to the street corners and aren't ashamed of the manifestation of the spirit of God. Keep the fire burning. Can I hear an amen? Because we're just we're taking a little subject this, tonight. Because if you don't keep it present tense, that your God is present, and keep him in the past, then it will grow cold and formal. In fact... Your Delilah or the world 
will start to take the eyes out of you. Your eyes of understanding. We need to drive all the inhabitants out of the lands. Or they will become, as the scripture says, they'll be pricks in your eyes. And so then we see there's needs within ourselves that we need to see God take care of our own personal issues and that the word will drive them out of our lives. You don't have to pat them like a putty cat. And the violent take it by force. Brother Branham talked about a time where Samson laid in the lap too long. And some of you young men have put off an experience with God way too long. And the worry or the concern is that your eyes will indeed be plucked out. Brother Branham preached once more, Lord, once more, Lord, once more, Lord, Lord, once more, once more, Lord. Number of times. But he said the very thing that he was raised up for was the thing that put him down. But I'm glad it doesn't end there. You have to read the end of the book. Because something took over his heart. And Brother Branham said he came to the realization that he'd have to die to himself to conquer that which conquered him. And that had to become a reality to him. You play with fire. Young ladies, let me tell you something. You might flirt in this world. And you might have somebody out there that sort of likes you. But unless that person is born again and filled with the Holy Ghost, you cut that thing off right now. It's Wednesday night. Vice versa. Young man, don't you dare look at Delilah. And don't you dare look at a young lady that is not filled with the Holy Spirit and love this message. He'll say, oh, I'll win them. The Philistines took him. They put out his eyes. But it goes on to say, and I love this part, how be it, his hair began to grow. <laughs> I love the gospel. You know what? In, even in the world, you know, when you're in, in high school and university, you had to read certain books and you had to do, I hated depressing books. I hate depressing books. I hate drama. 
And I hate those things that, you know, they just go sideways or something like that. I hate those things. I, I love it. I love this part. And how be it, his hair grew out. And saints, it wasn't his hair that gave him the strength. The hair represented the covenant that God had made with him. And that covenant started to grow and become alive to him. Then he realized, I'll perish, but I'm willing to take the devil down. And I say, tonight, saints, let's make this present God alive. Are we willing to die to bring the devil down? I say, amen. Some things we just got to kill in our homes. Some things have just got to go because we need a present tense Jesus to come on the scene. Brother Branham said he had a hunger to see one more time God to move. And I thought, Lord, if I could just close this Wednesday night service, that we could have a hunger, a thirst for a move of God like we've never had before. And say, oh, Holy Spirit, come present amongst us. If we have to get aside and have prayer meetings and do what we have to do, let's have God move in our midst. Not just have it mentally in our minds. Not have our nice little sayings. But see sons birth by the word of God, Brother Jean Manassi. Oh, there was a hungering for the church to see an old-fashioned God-sent revival. A hungering to see God move on a Jordan. Could you imagine, Dave, the Holy Spirit falling down on your son, and all of a sudden you say, where'd that come from? God can do anything. He can do anything. But are we willing to die out? Die to our own ideas of how church order should be. Just follow the leadership that the prophet gave us. And be willing then to say, Lord, I'm willing to die out. To see a present tense gospel amongst the church of the living God. I'd love to see some of these young ladies actually get lost in the Holy Spirit. Samson was blinded. But it did not defeat him. You might have gone through your trials and you've gone through your hurts and you've gone through your mistakes. But that does not defeat a seed gene of God. If God called him to defeat the enemy, he's going to defeat the enemy. And if God has called you to defeat Laodicea, you are going to defeat Laodicea. The serpent isn't going to get one over you this time. He got it over Eve, but he's not getting it over you. Praise the Lord. You say, Brother Tom, how do I get that present tense gospel? Lay in his presence. Read your Bible and pray every day. Listen to your tapes. That's a big secret. There it goes, Brother Tim. There it goes. I said, just watch it. It's going to ring at 10 to 9. 
right on time. Because, you know, saints, sometimes we can give you too much. And you forget half of what we say. If not three quarters. If not 99.999. What did Tom preach on Sunday night? Or Sunday morning? Or last Wednesday? Uh, don't worry, I've been there also. Present tense, God. Can you remember that phrase? Can you say it? I want a present tense God. I want a present tense God that can walk with me every step of the way. A present tense God, when I fall into the pit, He can lift me up. A present tense God that when I'm sick, He can heal me. A present tense God that can save my wife. A present tense God. Hallelujah. Save my wayward children. A present tense God. Present tense God that can put my wife in a pew. A present tense God that can put my husband sitting with me. Just remember, Samson maybe got his eyes burned out, but it did not defeat him. Did you hear me? Did you hear me? We always hear Samson got his eyes burned out. But we never we forget that he actually took the two pillars. The Old Testament and New Testament. And demolished the enemies. And that's what we need to do, Brother Daniel. Keep that Bible alive. Take the Old Testament. Take the New Testament. And defeat the devil. Hallelujah. Yes, sir. I was thinking of your husband's sister. Christina, when I got to this point, I'm going to close. Because he said, Brother Tom loves this quote. I more than love this quote. I love this quote. Christ the mystery God revealed. Notice the vindicated word in the body is his very victory and reason of his death. See the death, not in the spirit. When he died, he only died in the flesh. His spirit went to hell, preached the souls in prison. That's right. His flesh only died. Then he raised it up again. Quickened. Quickened means made alive. His flesh, which was his body, and that's the word, it was laying dead there. But gradually now it's come up in the Reformation. And now she is standing on her feet. That's a very present tense God. We're living in me. Musicians, why don't you come? Same message. Christ the mystery God revealed. Nations are breaking. Israel's awakening. See what I mean? He has begun to give life unto his body. Why? The one that he was redeemed in that meditorial work. It's done. He brings his life to the body in the vindication for the rapture. He brings life to the body for vindication of the rapture. He's a very present God. He's a present help in time of trouble. Now the life is in the body for the vindication for the rapture. Remember now in the last day. If you'll just bear with me a little bit now. It'll be alright. I don't want you to miss it. 
I've got to take this tape now, and, and I, I've started this far. Now watch. To the life in the body is a vindication that the rapture is at hand. That's why we need to keep God a very present God. Because a vindication of his life in the body is letting you know the rapture's at hand. If it's a God of the past, you're in trouble. The rapture's not so far at hand. But he has to be a very present tense God. And so now watch, the life in the body is the vindication that the rapture's at hand. When you see headship and the body becoming one, and the fullness of the measure of his manifestation, that shows the body is ready to receive its headship, and then we're gone. Amen. It's a challenge to accept, saints, and it's worth it. When you get up in the morning, you put your little children around that table. You give them a scripture. You give them a quote. You give them something that they can feed on through the day. You say, well, it doesn't work. It works. I had a son that was wayward, wayward, wayward. And I made it, Joanna and I made a conscious decision. When he opens his lunch bag every day, I had a scripture or a quote for him every morning. I got up in the morning I sought God for a scripture, and I put it in his lunch bag. Whether he read it or not, God saw the intent. And the intent God saw, and God saved his soul. We need a present tense God. And I say, God bless you as you keep this word alive. No different than that widow woman kept the message alive with Elijah. God bless you this Wednesday night and may the word encourage you and may this word become ever present in your life on a daily basis. Let's stand. He's alive and well living in me to tell. He's alive
alive. <laughs> Why don't you turn around to one another and say, He's alive. Shake their hand and say, He's alive. He's alive and well, living in me to tell. He's alive, Brother Tim. <laughs> God bless you. Amen. Keep them alive. Keep the word alive. Feed it. Feast on it. Commune around it. And give Jesus all the glory. I'll give the glory to Jesus. And tell of his love and we'll close. We'll give love. God bless you on this rainy, blistery, cold Wednesday night. Be careful on the roads. As we said at the beginning of the service, a tragedy happened in Saskatchewan. You say, well, how does it affect you? I think it affected everybody. Concerned about parents, a son, somebody that thought they were going to be doing something just evaporated somebody wasn't paying attention it's a sad it's a tragedy so I want you to be careful on the road as they say I'm not so worried about you it's the other guy just be alert we love you we want to go together we want to go together come on up Nathan close the word of prayer if you don't mind Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we love you tonight, Lord God, coming out on a Wednesday night just to hear your word. Worship you, Lord Jesus. This is why we're here, is to do your service, Lord God. Lord Jesus, the reason why we're here on this earth is just to do your will, what you want us to do, Lord God, to live for you, love, be the love to the other people that don't get to see you, Lord to be you living on earth again, Lord Jesus, through a people, be a light in a dark dark earth, Lord God. May we just shine forth brighter, Lord Jesus, in a dark age, Lord God. May we just 
be what you want us to be, Lord Jesus, not anything else, Lord God. Lord Jesus, will you bless Brother Tom, Lord God, tonight for pouring out, Lord Jesus, will you be with him, strengthen him and the saints here, Lord God, and around the world, Lord Jesus. Be with your bride, give us safe traveling home, Lord God, and be with us through the remainder of the week. We love you, we adore you, Lord Jesus, you are God, our King, our Conqueror, Lord God. How we love you, Lord Jesus. Bless us tonight, Lord God, in Jesus' name, amen. You had wonderful services. We were praying for you. Amen. God bless you all. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.